friends, welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, registered dietitian. And I'm Casey, a personal trainer. And together, we're here to help you discover joyful health by grace. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Joyful Health Show. This week, we have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Stephanie Reinold about the common question, which is why do I keep eating emotionally and how do I stop? So we're so happy you're here, Dr. Reinold. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So for our listeners who may not know Dr. Reinold yet, she, Dr. Stephanie Reinold is a board certified psychiatrist, a women's mental health expert, eating disorder specialist, and host of the podcast. It's not about the food. Her mission is to help women uncover why they struggle with food and their bodies because it's not about the food. She helps you look beyond the surface and think deeper in order to cure lifelong struggles. She runs a private psychiatry practice and outside of Austin, Texas, where she resides with her husband and three kids. So welcome, Stephanie. We are so excited to hear from you. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got started. Maybe start with your struggle. Maybe it was a personal struggle or a career struggle in this topic. Um, how God met you and what you do as a result. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, I think my story is much like many people's story. And in a lot of ways, you know, each of us have our own unique spin on things. But, you know, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Texas, a pretty, you know, normal, average Christian family. You know, we didn't really talk about food and body. My dad actually worked in the food industry. And so food was perfectly available to me, good foods, bad foods, everything in between. And so it wasn't really from a place of food insecurity, but I did a lot of image centric activities. I did dance and gymnastics and reached a competitive level. And by about adolescence, when my body started to change, of course, I looked for ways to fit in with everybody else and make my body change to look like other people. And so that really catapulted my first diet, which for me turned into full-blown bulimia for about probably four to six years of my life and, you know, in through college before I really, you know, took a step back and kind of started healing a very DIY approach. Um, I had a therapist at the time, but it was I actually never even talked about this stuff with my therapist, um, which was probably the first seed that was planted that this stuff is not about food because I realized interestingly enough, when I was talking about seemingly completely unrelated things, my eating habits were improving and I was actually beginning to feel a little bit more confident in my body. Um, you know, fast forward sometime I met my husband, things were continuing to improve, you know, and then babies happened and my body changed again. And it was, not actually my first pregnancy. My first pregnancy was actually a very positive experience. Um, and it was actually very healing for me in a lot of ways. It was actually my second pregnancy. And again, this kind of is the thread that you'll hear from me if you listen to anything I say or in this episode too. Um, because my second pregnancy, I was actually, to be perfectly fair, my body size was the smallest it has been in any of my pregnancies. Um, and I was it was actually a very fit pregnancy. Like I felt very physically active. And yet I 
was miserable. And really peeling back um, a lot of layers to my life at the time, there was so much stress in my life. It was a really stressful time in my training. Uh, my marriage was not in the best season of of its longevity. And so there were just so many other things going on. So I actually went back to therapy and it was the most healing therapy experience. And still to this day, I just credit that therapist with so so much um, because she literally changed my life in so many ways um, because it really clicked for me that it's not about the food, you know, and it was really completely in that instance, everything in my life started to make sense. Everything from patients and clients I was hearing from started to make sense. And I was like, this is the key. This is the hidden gem. If people just understood that you cannot keep controlling food and your body, to try to control food and your body, if that makes sense, then everything everything else makes sense. Like you start looking at other areas of your life that likely are easier to fix, ironically. Um, and actually, you actually have a little bit more autonomy and control to fix these other areas of your life rather than your body. So, you know, that's when I was first introduced to intuitive eating was actually in this pregnancy, uh, my second pregnancy with my son. And, you know, I went down health at every size rabbit hole and everything in between. And, you know, I kind of swung the pendulum and all maybe to the other side, a little too extreme for a while. And then I've sort of found more of a sweet spot. I think when God met me in it and kind of helped me understand grace to everything. And that was a piece that although intuitive eating and health at every size were so pivotal in my professional journey in really understanding a weight neutral approach with my clients and my patients, I found it actually a little bit triggering in different ways. And so I've now kind of found a little bit more balance and just understanding there's grace to be had wherever you're at in this journey, whether you are still dieting, whether you are, you know, gaining weight in the process of healing, wherever you're at, there is grace to be had. So that's, that's really just what I, what I want people to know. And that was kind of my story. Yeah. Oh man. So many things that I want to touch on in there, especially what you're talking about at the end, which is that there is grace to be found wherever you are in your journey. Because like you said, even in um, the intuitive eating health at every size world, it can become another set of like black and white rules. Oh, you're in it, you're doing it right, or you're not. Um, and we definitely know that's not the case. So we know that God um, has each of us on our own journeys and he has grace for us no matter where we're at. So Dr. Reinald, I want you to share a little bit for someone who feels like I am, you know, I cannot give myself permission to eat the food because I emotionally eat. I like, I come home every night and I um, just sit and I binge on whatever it is, chips in front of the TV. And I know that if I give myself permission and I let go, that I'm going to um, spiral out of control. Can you speak to that person um, just about that term emotional eating and maybe what are some of the food and like you said, non-food things that might be behind it? Yeah. Gosh, such a, such a loaded topic, first of all. Um, <laughs> such a loaded topic. Um, I don't really actually know where to start. We'll start here. So 
there's two things that I really consider just off the bat, anybody I'm working with. One is safety, feeling safe and comfortable in whatever steps that you're taking in healing, in therapeutic work. You know, I feel like we don't spend enough time around safety and feeling safe. You know, so many of us have a trauma history. I mean, I didn't even think that I had a really traumatic life until I got into therapy and realized there were so much, so many traumatic triggers that were around food in my body, you know? And a lot of times, you know, from childhood, the eating table is a very emotional place. And so even if it's not trauma, like we think about, you know, like sexual assault or war trauma or something, it's traumatic in the sense that it causes chaos in our lives, you know, it causes chaos in our emotions. And so kind of understanding what feels safe. If you truly do not feel safe going all in, whatever all in means for you. Um, and that'll be my second point is, which is expectations kind of managing that. But, you know, if you don't feel safe with that, what do you feel safe with? Do you feel safe taking maybe a single portion size of Lay's potato chips? If that was say a very triggering food for you in the past, or maybe you feel safe eating with other people, or maybe you don't feel safe eating with other people. Maybe you feel safer on your own. You know, wherever you're at in your journey, you have to feel safe about what you're doing or you're never going to keep doing it. It's going to feel, you know, that fight or flight mechanism in your brain is going to kick in every single time you try to do this work. And it's going to feel very, very, very uncomfortable and not a good discomfort that leads us to that next chapter of our healing journey, a really bad discomfort that probably causes regression um, and maybe even catapults us deeper into diet culture. So I, I always recommend working with some kind of professional. You know, this day and age, you can find any kind of coach online. You can find a dietitian locally. You can find a therapist. Like, honestly, it doesn't even matter the credentials, but I do recommend probably talking with somebody even one time for a consultation because they'll kind of help you gauge this safety measure. Because so many of us, we're so used to kind of ignoring that hunger fullness, ignoring our body. So we don't trust ourselves. So these are really deep issues that really come back to us not feeling safe in our body. And so when I hear that, you know, this fear of like, well, I just can't trust myself around food or I'm just going to bit, I hear you are so afraid. Like this clearly doesn't feel safe for you. So what can feel safe? So that'd be my first thing up front. Everything is about safety. Secondly, let's kind of manage your expectations. Are you expecting that you're going to be able to just all of a sudden have all of this, you know, quote unquote junk food in your house that previously you had restricted for, you know, years, decades of your life and be fully confident and comfortable around that food? Well, that's not a realistic expectation, right? Just like I wouldn't expect someone who never runs to just tomorrow run a marathon. (laughs) You know, this is a muscle to work out in your brain, just like if you were lifting weights or training for a marathon or, you know, working towards something really big, you know? And so a lot of it is about managing expectations and making sure you feel safe with the steps that you are taking. Hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think those are some really structured to me, I order makes me feel safe. (laughs) And so you talked about like, when I hear someone say this around food, I hear I'm afraid. So what about the person who's afraid of emotions because they don't have experience with naming their emotions around food, but they just do. Um, 
how can that person maybe walk more into those emotions safely? Um, I know you, you've already talked about those steps as far as like feeling safe, finding that safe space, managing expectations and working with a professional. Um, will that help them to understand when they're eating emotionally and what that emotion actually is? I know you talked about like with your life, you were able to manage other areas of your life and the food habits kind of fell in line. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say that naming your emotions and how they applied maybe to different areas of your life would, would help? Yeah. And it's interesting. I actually take kind of a paradoxical approach to that. Cause I, I think traditional emotional eating experts out there, it's, um, how do I say without, first of all, full disclaimer, I love anyone who is helping people with emotional eating. Cause I think it's very, it feels very uncomfortable to that person suffering from it. So whether or not we believe it's real, we believe it's from restriction, there's lots of schools of thought on emotional eating. And it's actually kind of a, become a controversial thing to talk about, but so full disclaimer, I love anybody and respect anybody who's working on this. However, I'll just say this. A lot of times the people that have branded themselves out there as emotional eating experts, they take approach that I think feels very unsafe for people, which is just sit with your emotions. You need to learn to sit with your emotions and everything is about the emotions. Hmm. And so paradoxically, it's not about the emotions. Like here's the layers of the work that I do, you know, for me and this kind of comes back to even how I healed. And so I took some of my personal lived experience and some of what I was seeing in all of my patients and clients is that you can't just jump there. I mean, for me, it felt like someone was speaking to me in Chinese. When I remember my therapist was like, where do you feel it in your body? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I, I was so literally, I was like, this lady's crazy. And I mean, this is the therapist that helped me so much. So I love her, but Literally in some of those first sessions, I had no idea what she was talking about. So if that is you, totally you're in the right place. Okay. (laughs) Because we've suppressed emotions for decades. Sometimes, you know, our childhood, it's even how we raise our kids. There's so many layers to this about why people suppress emotions, but we know that we do, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're uncomfortable because we don't like to feel uncomfortable. And that's the whole job of our brain to keep us safe and make us be comfortable. So I actually take a paradoxical approach, which is actually looking at other areas of your life from a very intellectual thought-based place. And so you it's a little bit easier to sit with emotions when it doesn't have anything to do with food. So for example, kind of just coming back to my own personal story in that pregnancy, when things you know, I was struggling with my husband. I had no problem venting about how awful my husband was and, you know, crying about like fights that I had. And, you know, that was easy for me, you know, talking about food and why I'm choosing this and why I'm not eating sometimes and why I'm suppressing my hunger, you know, that, that was a foreign language. So start where you can start. And again, comes back to where you feel safe. What feels just easy and comfortable you know, and that's kind of like habit change 101. Like these are all habits, like really ingrained, awful, destructive habits sometimes, but they're habits at the end of the day that we've wired into our brain. So that would actually be kind of paradoxically the first step I would take is let's look at some other areas of your life right now. Cause I'm telling you, 
10 out of 10 times when someone is struggling with food, there is some area of their life that they are struggling with. And they're using food as this easy safety net because they're avoiding this other problem in their life. And usually those other problems, whether it's money, issues with your family, issues with your kids, your spouses, your, you know, maybe it's like a spiritual crisis you're going through. Maybe it's just personal identity issues. Maybe it's your career. Those are going to be so much easier to talk about and vent about than food stuff. So actually starting in the reverse place, ironically, it helps you then just be more mindful in general with your life and also around food. And so then it's not uncommon, weeks, months down the road, you've kind of given the foundation of how to process things that you're avoiding. So then when you bring it up around, you know, well, why am I compulsively eating in this period of time? Or why do I just keep snacking at this time of day? Or, you know, I'm not even hungry. Why do I keep eating off of my plate? It's so much easier at that point in time. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's almost like, um, it's almost like then the food behaviors can just become sort of a signal to (laughs) something else is going on that I need to address or maybe that I'm avoiding. Um, it's funny because I don't remember where Casey and I are having this conversation. Oh, with another podcast guest and talking about how, um, how can we get this message out to people? How can we talk about these things with the church and with people? And she kind of told us, you know, people, when they hear the word like dietitian or body image, like they run, <laughs> they don't want to have to do with that conversation. <laughs> and I think, you know, what you're saying about the fact that we have a lot of these emotions around food and eating that we might not even be aware of um, is part of that avoidance. It's that feeling of being uncomfortable. And this next question might feel a little left field, but um, you're talking about, you know, needing to feel safe with whatever step we take. And I'm curious, where is the line? You know, how do we know um, that we're challenging ourselves enough, but also staying in a safe enough place where we're not going to regress? I think it comes down to where your motivation still lies. If you're not feeling safe, your motivation is really quickly going to, you're not going to trust the process. Um, and so your motivation is now going to be back to diet culture, you know, mm. and, and that's okay. I mean, I think that's part of it too. You know, it, it's so, so common to like kind of dip your toe into the non-diet world and then go back to dieting and dip your toe in and go back. And that's okay. And I think we should actually normalize that a little bit. That's perfectly okay. In fact, I actually usually expect that um, as part of the journey. But I think that also tells me, okay, this person just doesn't feel safe in this place yet. And maybe there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe they're just not ready emotionally. They just don't have the capacity to kind of take on this place. Um, but also you're going to see if someone's still very motivated or still trusting the process. So the common kind of phrasing I'll get is like, you know, I hate my body or I hate that I'm gaining weight, you know, or I just don't even feel good that, you know, now I'm binging on all these sweets now or, you know, whatever kind of that phase is of kind of the honeymoon phase where you're just really making peace with all foods and you're really trying to see everything unemotionally usually people just feel a little bit uncomfortable physically, like in their body, because they're seeing their body change. Um, yeah, so that's 
that's when people feel the most uncomfortable in their body physically. But usually people still have motivation to continue the process. Like they're still excited about the journey. They still see the end game, which is freedom, truly, and grace. And people still kind of believe in it. If they're losing that belief, that tells me, okay, maybe we're just not ready. Yeah, I think that's so important is is to see the entire process. I remember reading a scripture that talked about um, that we are being perfected. And that word meant um, like extending and they referenced a telescope as far as like, you, it's short, but the farther you extend it, the more you can see. And so I compare that to our timeline of like the more that we walk, the the better perspective that we have. Um, and so maybe could you, I know you've mentioned grace and how, you know, you swung in both pendulums of the intuitive eating and the other side of it. Um, so how does grace fit in there for the person who's frustrated with their journey of emotional eating? They feel like they're, they're sliding back, they're angry with themselves, and then they feel guilty. Um, where does God's grace fit in there? And do you, do you have any encouragement from your own story that you can give them hope for where they are? Yeah, I feel like people end up putting rules on intuitive eating too. You know, so like, for example, I remember hearing, you know, from a client years ago and she was like, you know, I still know that I feel good when I eat these kind of foods and when I drink this much water in a day, is it wrong to kind of have those as guidelines? And I was like, no, I mean, if you know that and you kind of maybe just need a little bit of accountability to tell yourself, you know, because some people's brains are a little bit more analytical in that way and they need to say, I need to eat vegetables with my lunch and dinner in order for me to feel good. Or I need to, you know, not probably have just sugar and carbs for breakfast or else I'm going to crash, you know? And unfortunately I feel like in the intuitive eating, you know, some of the non-diet world, people are like, no, that's still a diet. You're still in diet culture. And I used to be that way. I think when I was first coming into it, because Technically, I mean, I do think if you're truly making rules and it's so much rigidity in your brain that say like you're never able to have a cinnamon roll for breakfast, like even on vacation or even on your honeymoon or something, because, oh my gosh, you know, you're going to feel awful. Well, there's a time and a place for like pleasure and joy and God wants us to have pleasure and joy in our lives too. So there's grace to be had on the rigid mentality front, regardless if that rigidity is coming from actual diets or if that rigidity is coming from intuitive eating, you know, Jesus Christ did not have live his life in a rigid manner. (laughs) You know, he lived his life very convicted and very, you know, he had very strong opinions because that's the truth. So it's one thing to know the truth and then to also live your life with some flexibility, you know? So I even like some of the words like flexible eating a little bit better because I mean, for example, like I can't always eat exactly what my kids eat, you know? And I remember when I was first coming into the intuitive eating world, people are like, I just always ate different from my kids. And here's the funny thing. Fast forward. I, me and my husband eat kind of differently from my kids too, because I just know they have different flavor profiles in their brain and their taste buds, and they're not going to eat the exact same thing I will, you know? So I no longer see that as diet mentality, you know, like I think, I think the reject the diet mentality, you know, of intuitive eating gets really black and white with people. And so just be mindful if you are somebody that can be a black and white rigid thinker, 
you may struggle with kind of the consummation of the work you do. Like it's all sort of part of the journey. Like I think it's natural in the beginning to kind of go all in and to be excited about like never having to worry. And it's almost like this rebellion, which feels good. And and I say rebellion, not in a bad, sinful way, just like kind of rebelling from the world, really, which is actually what God calls us to kind of rise above this world. Um, But then kind of coming back to this middle ground where it's like, okay, I just don't feel good with, cause it feels chaotic to me. Like I need a little bit more structure. I mean, I'm a working mom of three. I have a fourth baby on the way. I have to have structure. Like mm-hmm. I do have to plan my meals. We have to plan our grocery list. We have to plan most of our dinners, like our you know family meals. So is that diet mentality? I mean, maybe some people would call me out that it was. I've found grace that God's grace covers everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. my goodness, like I can't plan a dinner for my family without it being diet mentality. You know what I'm saying? It gets a little bit almost bizarre at times. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's just the extreme rigid thinking. And so I think it comes back down to like that cognitive rigidity. Like, are you feeling so rigid that it allows for no flexibility? Because grace allows for flexibility. That's the difference to me. Mm. That's so helpful because I think just that um, mindset of, are you feeling rigid or are do you have room for flexibility? And just picturing Jesus and how he lived his life convicted, but um, he also lived his life just following every word of the Father or every, you know, leading of the Spirit. And he didn't know, like he didn't know, which I think is... <laughs> or, you know, we don't know where we're going next. Like God knows where he's leading us next. And with, um, diet mentality, or even with like super strict, like following intuitive eating, whatever form of eating you're trying to follow a system with, we're trying to effectively know where we're going next. Like we're trying to figure out every move of our lives and control it. And that's not the picture of surrender and following Christ. And so I think even just having that as a filter of like how you're eating and how you're viewing food, um, is it this tight grip thing, whether it's intuitive eating or not, or is it a surrender one meal at a time, one day at a time? Um, So I love that. So, okay. I wish we could talk to you for forever. (laughs) I'm like, can I, can I have a session with you? (laughs) But also, (laughs) um, we want to make sure that people, if they do want to have a session with you or with some, one of your staff, um, that they know where to connect with you. Um, so could you share, you know, where we can find you and then also any resources you have for the audience? Yeah, you can go to my website, stephanierinoldmd.com. That's a good umbrella for everything. If you are interested in actual more patient or one-on-one kind of services, my professional site is wholeheartedpsychiatry.com. And I do have a free mini class. It's called So What's It About? So if you want to walk through actually my process of how I kind of help you uncover, you know, what's it about? What's it, what's really going on? Uh, that's at stephanierinoldmt.com slash free mini class. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is just so helpful. And I think for the person who has a lot of emotions right now, um, uh, this verse also came up for me as you were talking was, um, the Philippians one six, he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So being able to hear your story 
where you are now, um, how you say grace covers all things, such a comfort um, for our readers. So if you wouldn't mind, um, if there's anything else you want to add and then just like leave our listeners with and, and pray for them as well. Yeah. The last thing I just want to leave you with is emotions are not bad. Emotions like food are not good or bad. You know, I feel like in a lot of Christian circles, we sort of view emotions as just bad, or we've gotten this pop culture kind of image of a woman that's so emotional and it's just kind of taken on this negative tone. I mean, God made us with emotions. He himself had emotions. You know, we we shouldn't be afraid to express emotions, even anger for us women. You know, there's no emotion that's good, no emotion that's bad. Now, could it be driven from a sinful thought or sinful flesh? Of course, because that's all of us. But that's up for discernment with the Holy Spirit, you know. But emotions by themselves exist because we are human beings. And so I think sometimes that holds us back because we think that somehow that's just bad, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like the whole flesh is just bad. Like our body is just bad. Like, I mean, our emotions are part of our brain. There's literally parts of our brain for different emotions and God created our brain. Mm -hmm. So God created emotions. And, you know, if he didn't want us to have emotions, we wouldn't have emotions. So don't be afraid of it from a spiritual standpoint either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I'll pray for us. Yeah. Thank you. you Yeah. Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for anybody who is listening to this. I just pray that you just give them grace and you just cover them with your word and your comfort through such a really challenging journey to make peace with food and your body and that they can know that their body is good, that their brain is good, that emotions are healthy and appropriate, and that you can just meet them wherever they are at to take them to the next place so that they can ultimately live and bring you glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. And uh, for everyone listening, may you rest in his grace and follow the joy. Bye. Bye.